Good morning. I'm happy to be here today at the invitation of the Juan Dharma Center ministers. I wish this room was full of familiar and new faces. It will happen again soon, I hope. For now, we can be grateful for this virtual meeting place. Today, I want to talk about a beautiful and perfect balance that exists in the natural world, and then look at how Sodasan, the founding master of Wan Buddhism, mirrored this balance in his doctrines and practices. Lately, I've been flooded by memories from my childhood growing up in New Jersey. I'm not sure whether it is the season or the time of my life, but either way, these recollections are very happy. Northern New Jersey in the 1950s and 60s was more rural than Claverick is today. We were on the cusp of a suburban explosion that would define the region for the next half century. It was a wonderful place to grow up with forests and farmland surrounding our neighborhood. When I was seven years old, my best friend lived directly across the street from our house. We shared an intense interest in the natural world. Larry was three years older than me, and he was a natural-born plant lover. I'm certain he chose a career in some area of agriculture. He initiated a long-running conversation, and it always began the same way. So, which is superior, plants or animals? Then he would tick off his reasons reasons for choosing plants. First, he said, they can live on air and sunlight alone. Second, they have existed on Earth for one billion years longer than animals. And finally, due to their great adaptability, they would still thrive long after animals and humans became extinct. And each time I took the bait, I would respond, what, are you crazy? How can you even say that? Animals eat plants. They can run, they can swim, they can fly, and plants just sit there, stuck in the ground. In my defense, I was seven years old and I was obsessed with amphibians and fish and reptiles, and especially dinosaurs. So this banter went on for a whole summer until we reached some unspoken truce. But all the while, we continued to collect and observe both animals and plants until his family moved to California three years later. So I had to admit, silently, that Larry's arguments were basically sound. 
Plants really are the prime movers of this universe. However, as a result of our game, both of us came to realize what a perfect unity the two kingdoms formed. Together, they were vastly more successful than each could ever be alone. They were perfect interlocking puzzle pieces in a perfect balance. So now, so many years later, Sodasan has helped me understand that this truth applies equally to both the spiritual and physical realms. Balance was my gateway concept to Wan Buddhism. At first, I understood it in terms of the threefold practice, which is common to all lineages of Buddhism. We can call it cultivation, wisdom, and precepts, or meditation, inquiry, and choice and action, or in the Buddha's words, samadhi, prajna, and sila. In whatever way you describe these fundamental practices, Sodasan encourages us to find a perfect equilibrium. He and other teachers use the image of a three-legged table. If one leg is too short or missing, the table is not so useful. To this day, I try and often fail to maintain this stability. My short leg continues to be meditation. And I guess each of us have our own tendencies toward bias. But as Sodasan said, the essential thing is to keep trying until we find that sweet spot. Because even imperfect practice is better than no practice. But just this year, I discovered a new dimension to the idea of balance. Again, Sodasan describes it clearly and often in the scriptures and discourses, but I had failed to appreciate the words on their own. Instead, it took an experience in the garden, which is where I mostly find myself, and this brought everything into focus. It was late July, and I was trellising tomato vines that were now five feet tall. Some plants had over 100 fruit in various stages of ripening. I kept popping sun gold cherry tomatoes into my mouth. They are the sweetest of all tomatoes. And there it was again, that same animal and plant connection just like when I was seven years old. But this time, I saw how dynamic the balance is. By this, I mean it is mutually nourishing. If I could get close enough to those vines as I ate the fruit, I would also inhale molecules of oxygen that the plant gives off as waste 
And then, as I exhaled, the tomato vine would take up my carbon dioxide as its perfect food. And then I thought, in the long term, if I'm lucky, my used up body will pay back some other plants with equivalent nourishment. I was thinking, what a system. Everybody wins. So I just completely oversimplified the complex relationship that exists in the world between photosynthesis and respiration. But I know you get the point. It's an interchange that has gone on for two billion years, and yet we're part of it every day. And now when I read Sodasan's words, I see repeated examples of balances that don't merely cancel out or blend to become some gray middle ground. Instead, they, are mute, they mutually reinforce and nourish each other, just like the equation of nature. So here are three examples. First, moment by moment during seated meditation. As we practice, so does San writes, the spirit should be ever alert in its calmness and ever calm in its alertness. This means when we sit, we should not try to find a middle point between calm and alert. This is not a 50-50 proposition. Instead, we can use the calm moment to elevate our awareness and then double down to allow the clarity to increase our equanimity. This is the 100-100 option. We should try to maximize both boundaries. This is reciprocal reinforcement, just like plants and animals. So second, in our daily routines, we can use periods of quietude and activity to build harmony in our lives. Sodasana has set precise guidelines for practice to help us navigate the challenges we face every day. We call them sensory conditions. Here's one example of his guidelines. In the morning, set aside time to practice seated meditation and chant the Buddha's name. This prepares us for a day filled with activity. Then, repeat in the evening after our work is over to reassess and consolidate our level of practice. And now I can see that this follows that same formula of dynamic balance that we see in nature. Our teacher, Reverend Park, puts it in this way. First, grasp really hard and then let go. This helps us build our muscles physically and spiritually. We must alternately flex and relax. It is a rhythm of life. Now finally, 
we can practice these two movements through our yearly schedule. In simpler times, Sodasan's first followers would gather for sun or Zen retreats that lasted several months. Today, we're hard pressed to meet for three or four days once or twice a year. Our timetables may be much more challenging today in this busy world, but the principle remains the same. The two dharmas of retreat and daily training each ground and assist one another and become a road that enables practitioners not to leave practice for even one moment. There are so many more examples in our scripture and in Sodasan's discourses of apparent opposites combining to yield a much greater sum than each part. I encourage you to look for them and then share them with me. And there is one last way that I've learned balance in the natural world and the spiritual worlds are identical. They both go on forever. In farming, there's always one more bed to weed, one more crop to either sow or harvest, and then you do it all over again the next year. And Sodasan wants our practice to continue in the same way, 24-7. His intentions come with the greatest compassion. He writes, I urge you all to practice diligently according to this dharma and to accomplish the great task of transcending the ordinary and entering sagehood as quickly as possible. This is what he wanted for all of us. But I wonder if sometime you, like me, find this system of continual practice to be either exhausting or overwhelming. I sometimes hear myself complain, can't I just go to the beach for a while? And... Um, I know Sodasant anticipated this reaction when he wrote, a novice to intensive Zen might find the regulated life to be very stressful. However, when a person's practice matures, there is no life more comfortable than this. So I pr I'm pretty sure he would say to me, yes, have a great time splashing in those waves. But remember, just like the plants and animals, always keep practicing. Thank you for listening.